Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah. I hope everybody's paying attention today because we have a guy calling in from the Midwest and he's got a little something to talk about bunkers and shelters. And if you've seen the recent movie by Michelle and Barack Obama, it might be something you need to look into. So I want to welcome to the show, Dante Vecino. How you doing, Dante? Pretty good, John. How are you? Good, man. Good, good. So what do we need a bunker for? I mean, you know, have you been watching the news lately? <laughs> have you been watching the news for, <laughs> I don't know, I mean, the last, you know, what, at least 10 years? I don't know. I really, my my answer is I hope we never need bunkers. But historically, it's just been the case that, you know, people need to survive to ride out different events. And whether, you know, it's if it was just local, you know, catastrophes, um, you know, acts of uh, Mother Nature or, you know, terrorism or whatever it is, or it was a, you know, worldwide catastrophe, um, like a real, you know, SHTF scenario. Again, I think the question is really what what wouldn't we need it for in the future? I think it, it's the common denominator across all different kinds of scenarios. Well, when you think about that, I mean, you're kind of selling fear a little bit. It's a little fear. It's a little protection. I, I think the fear is already out there, John. People already are hesitant given, you know, what's going on uh, in our country and, and definitely in the world. I think, you know, and regardless of who's our current president or things like that, I mean, it's, I think the fear is already out there. Just turn on your TV. I feel that, you know, what I'm selling is not fear. What I'm selling is a solution, actually. Yeah, I feel like when I talk to people about this, they get a sense of relief. Because mm -hmm. they were already feeling the fear. And you guys have a pretty big name in this space. I mean, why do you guys have a big name? And, and, and how did this evolve from your father? You know, it's really simple. The, the name is really the, the reputation that we've built. I think we have just a, a solid reputation um, around the world for, you know, doing something with a high level of integrity, you know, delivering exactly what we say. And, you know, I think bringing this really niche market to the global audience and in a way that people can afford, you know, um, what was it a couple of days ago, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, bunker got, you know, leaked, you know, the photos of that, right? There are like some aerial photos of it. And people know that the 1% uh, and the 1% of the 1% uh, have that, you know, Bill Gates, right? He has a bunker supposedly under every uh, mansion is what I've been told, you know, and that's just inaccessible to regular guys like you and me, you know, the government has them. And so that's, that's really our reputation is that we've been able to do something that pretty much no one else has. And in a way that, again, operating with a really high degree of integrity, which is another thing that you don't really see in this kind of industry. And so we've really carved out that niche for ourselves over the years and it sticks. And is it a full time gig? I mean, are you busy all the time dealing with these things? <laughs> 
Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> seven days a week for me sometimes. <laughs> um, and I wish there were more hours in the day. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I guess I asked for it, you know, kind of stepping into this position, right? You know, I knew I wasn't um, getting into a nine to five, but this is something where, you know, the, the need the the desire for this um both from a from a media and publicity perspective you know where where people are contacting us just just like you know you guys did uh and also from uh interested you know buyers that doesn't really it's not seasonal it's not only on Tuesdays and Thursdays people think about this it's it's throughout the year you know and um and so this is really something that transcends that you know kind of typical schedule and i got to be there to make up for that well, you, and you're you're in some pretty rural areas, right? And and the last name Vecino, you, you know, what's a what's an Italian guy doing in the country out in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> oh man, yeah, I don't feel too Italian. It's uh, obviously my dad's side where the name comes from, right? And he's like a, already a third generation American. If anything, I'm much closer to being German and Russian because on my mom's side, I'm only a first generation American there the name is a little more conducive to the Italian image, right? Well, you know, here's the thing. You don't put a bunker in the middle of a city, okay? Or even remotely mm -hmm. near one, okay? Because it's it's unsafe. A, it's going to be, you know, people are going to know exactly where it is. And then you're going to have to deal with the, the hordes of people if a catastrophe did happen. And again, this is not saying necessarily a, a SHTF. Think, you know, uh, Hurricane Katrina or anything like that, right, where there's a mass exodus of people from major densely populated areas. You want to keep a bunker as far away from that as possible. We've been asked so many times, hey, why don't you guys make one just outside L.A. or why don't you make one outside Vegas or something? And it's like, no, we'll, we'll never acquiesce to doing that. And the thing is, if you look at our, our you know, current biggest project, uh, X Point in South Dakota, we didn't pick that location. The government did. Right. The Army Corps of Engineers back in the 40s decided this is where we want to do this uh, because it was in a central area. It was remote. It had very steady, predictable weather patterns. Nothing, you know, too extreme on either side. There was no tectonic activity. It was outside, you know, what uh, out there. I mean, the closest major urban center is going to be Denver. And that's like a six hour drive to the southwest of us, you know. And so, again, the government did all that for us. But had that not been there, we would have picked probably the exact same area. We just had the luxury of not needing to. When we break down one of these places, what does that look like? And and how do you come up with a design? Well, so again, let, let's go, let's stick with like the, the concept of these, you know, former military bunkers that we've been able to acquire over the years. And, um, you know, or former AT&T bunkers, uh, stuff like that. You know, the, the design of the outer shell is given, right? It's, it's kind of immutable because if you were to change that, then you're re-engineering the whole structure. So um, really, you know, and, and my background is in architecture and, you know, did my uh, uh, undergrad and, and grad school in that. And, you know, it's, it's funny because in architecture, we're always thinking about the, you know, m the morphology of the outside versus the inside, right? There's this kind of, you know, these two layers, right? And so we're always thinking about those, you know, morphologies, right? And then, but in the case of a bunker, the outside is a given. It is a hard and fast thing that you cannot change. And so really the, the trick architecturally comes in in how you design the interior space, right? How you make all that work 
how it becomes comfortable, livable, cohesive. You know, if we were just going off of FEMA standards, um, FEMA wants you guys to be packed in like sardine cans. If you go through the documents that they, you know, they have or any sort of survivable, you know, shelter. Um, and we took those numbers and we padded the hell out of them because we said, look, this is almost inhumane. Like, yeah, you'll survive, but you're not going to like feel comfortable. You know, and again, that was another thing that has always been part of the core, uh, you know, DNA of Vivos is how do we make this accessible and comfortable uh, and, and make it something that, you know, it's it actually takes you know, the, the, the kind of humanity into perspective, right? It's not just about packing a bunch of people into this, this cold storage, you know, hoping they'll come out on the other side, you know, so that again, that's also going back to the reputation bit, you know, that's also a factor in that too, is that we've never compromised on, on those standards. And so really what you're getting with Vivos is basically four star plus, uh, quality interiors and accommodations and it's something that you know you can actually really live in you know the the bunkers in south dakota are 2200 square feet apiece that's a single family home and so mm -hmm. you know we're turning these into basically the the rough they're all customized on the inside depending on what the client wants but you know it's going to be a four bed two bath fully autonomous it has its own you know it's completely off-grid its own power generation its own septic its own water supply coming from the well and all that so all of those factors have to work together as we make this design but it, we basically turn it into a comfy home you know you just notice that there aren't any windows <laughs> interesting so how, how much did one of these 2200 square foot places cost a, a fella so fifty-five thousand um gets you the basic bunker that you can basically do whatever you want with as long as it's not you know like i said compromising the structure you can use it as storage you can outfit it whatever you want to do you can kind of glamp it if you've ever uh if you're familiar with that kind of concept and mm -hmm. if you really want to uh you can go with uh us um you know or you can go with uh your own independent contractor and turn it into basically a house on the inside you know we so i personally oversee a crew of about 30 guys right now um and i have a general contractor uh out there and that's a, a huge part of my day-to-day -day is managing the construction overseeing the construction as we put these things together like i said you know like a four bed two bath and then that's looking into that the cost for that then can be whatever really it's kind of the sky's the limit i have some people out there who are making these things half a million dollar interiors and it looks the part it looks every penny you know that it was worth that but it's up to you you know my build costs about 150 to 160 thousand so you know all told you're you're in the low 200 thousands um to have something that's a comfy livable home uh and and is also built to survive anything now i saw your name associated with some productions what is like a production company or film crew or movie what are they looking for from you i think the first thing that's on everybody's mind is to figure out whether or not I'm crazy. <laughs> and because I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's still kind of out there, the concept of, you know, making bunkers. <clears throat> and it's, I think the first thing that they try to see is, okay, is this like some spectacularly out there crazy, you know, let's put it on vice or something and see how how wacky these people are. And then I think it's really eye opening when they see that, you know, we're, we're a company run by just normal people, we're trying to make something for normal people that it, even given the context of, you know, this, this really out there 
bunker concept, right? Uh, how much the, the surprising part, the story is usually this is how normal it actually is. You know, um, this is how it, it's like they, they don't expect how expectable it is on the inside. And, and the same goes for for all the the people involved too, you know, in the operation. Now, when you're thinking about this with your dad getting involved with this, I mean, what have you always? Where are you originally from, and 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 how did your dad first approach this business? He started the company um, in 2008, and um, at the time, I was you know still in uh, in high school. You know, I'm only 30, and you know, he had been a lifelong entrepreneur. Uh, he had been doing real estate development. Um, you know, most recently. And of course, in 2008, that was the worst time to be in real estate. And so he kind of dissolved that persona of himself and had to reinvent himself. And so he he went to this kind of crazy concept that he'd been, you know, thinking about since the 70s or 80s even. And it turned into Vivos and what it is today. And then so my involvement, you know, initially, I was really against it. I thought, you know, he was nuts. I thought it was just like, how could you do this, dad? This is insane. You know, um, yeah, I know you're going to start another business one way or the other, but why this, you know? And um, so I really pushed back a lot um, as a kid. And then, you know, as time went on um, in, in 2012 was when I started my architecture program at University of San Diego. And I started immediately learning uh, CAD and, you know, how to render and stuff like that. So he had been outsourcing these kind of artistic renders of the interior concepts and stuff like that. Uh, so he, he was getting frustrated with that part of the process. And so he asked me, hey, you know, Dante, can you can you just make a render for me? just an artistic, just show people kind of what it looks like. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll try. And so I would, you know, do a little thing for him. I, I'd send it to him and then I'd put it away in a folder that I knew later on I might, you know, use in like my portfolio or something, right? And so I just kind of tuck it away and didn't want anything to do with it. And then as I was going through, you know, grad school, that this was an avenue that I actually really wanted to pursue and that there was something good in it for me <clears throat> and something really unique and something that no one else can really lay claim to, which as an architect is kind of that, that like holy grail that we're always looking for, you know, is like, what is your niche and what is something that only you can really bring to the world in that special way? And so he would send me out there <laughs> and it was, I had to work up from the bottom, man. It was like, I was out there shoveling, you know, manure and doing all sorts because we, it's a cattle ranch as well, by the way, we got about, you know, 800 head of black Angus out there, you know, roaming the, the pastures in between the bunkers around them and the surrounding areas. And, and I just kind of fell in love with it. And I just got to meet all the different people out there and just see the, you know, it was, it was just this blue collar job that I had out there and I fell in love with it. And then eventually I just started hiring help and managing and here we are <laughs> so, over the years. Interesting. And it's something that I'm really proud of. You know, I still, I still will, you know, push back when it's, when the, the topic of SHTF comes up open in saying that I've, you know, said it on, on camera many times before. This is just super cool, right? It's, it, to put it bluntly, it's off grid, kind of avant garde. It's, it's, it's cutting edge in a way, but we're not using billion dollar tech industry stuff, right? The, the kind of repurposing of these, you know, it's in a way that has its own kind of green, you know, method doing something that I, I when I get to interact with our clients and, you know, I, I make an architectural you know design for the inside, I, you know, do a floor plan or whatever it is. 
seeing these people kind of light up and and just making something that I know they're going to be proud of and bringing this community of people together. That's the kind of stuff that keeps me motivated and, and keeps me going, right? And not the, oh my God, everything's going to go to crap and blah, blah. You know, I, I, yeah. don't, I don't dwell on that stuff because it's not enough to keep me motivated. If that was the case, I'd probably just... <laughs> You know, go stick my head in the sand. Oh, oh, how many families do you have out there now? Are they hanging so, out? Yeah, there's, there's, um, so we have about uh, a little, you know, over 200 bunkers uh, are sold out there, but not everybody lives out there. And in fact, it's always been a minority of that, you know, larger community that lives out there. Right now, it's about 50, about 50 families, I think, that are living out there full time. And and again, that's another misconception is that, you know, they're out there because they're worried, you know, it's, it's SHTF right now. Well, no, it's, you know, a lot of them uh, actually moved out. Uh, a huge reason for that was uh, 2020, you know, and, and COVID and the, uh, the riots and stuff that were going on in, in major cities, cities being burned down, you know. And so that was a huge motivator for people to get out of where they were in places like San Francisco, LA, um, Dallas, Atlanta, you know, Chicago, Detroit, you name it, people were, you know, fleeing those places to go out into the countryside. And these people just happened to have their bunker. And so they just made that their residence. And, you know, it's also people who want to kind of, they want to have this just kind of, you know, rural off grid uh, lifestyle. I think, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people that are interested in that with or without the, you know, the, the survival aspect of it. But it's kind of a given if you were out there anyway, that you're already in that mode, you know, so I'm just it's funny, I, I was uh, getting interviewed by uh, some British reporter um, a few months ago, and he said every time he hears of a uh, school shooting, you know, he just his first thought is I should just move out to the countryside, you know, and mm -hmm. he's in L.A. And I said, yeah, I think a lot of people are probably feeling the same way, you know, and, and not necessarily a school shooting is the only, you know, impetus for that. But, you know, fill in the blank. Right. <clears throat> and he was even asking me, he was like, well, how could you ever want to live like that? And that's just that's got to be just rough and, and horrible and, you know, all this stuff. And I said, well, hang on, man. I said, our neighbors, you know, the neighboring properties to us are ranches, cattle ranches. And then a few miles up the road is a rural town called Edgemont. But it's a town nonetheless with services and, you know, schools and all kinds of stuff, right? You know, gas station, grocery store, restaurant, bar. And so it's like, it's, it's really the only thing that separates, you know, the community that's living out there right now um, at X point, say from our neighbors is just that, you know, we're living in bunkers, but the lifestyle is very much the same. You know, mm -hmm. anybody who lives out there, even if you just had a cabin out there in that part of the country, um, you have to be, you know, pretty self-reliant. You know, it's a testament to being able to take care of yourself and not having everything at your fingertips like like we do here in San Diego, let's say, you know, and so for some people that is it's kind of a maybe they want to prove it to themselves or they just have always desired that, you know, and so maybe they get to retire into that. But there's all these reasons already already not a single one of them has anything to do with you know with, with armageddon i don't know if you've seen this wonder of the world in, in turkey i think it's between turkey iran that area mm -hmm. i can't remember the name of it, it they consider it like a, a temple and it was where thousands and thousands of people lived underground i think it's right? uh cappadocia right yeah cappadocia yeah uh, i think that's it yeah. do you ever think about building any more like you know like a city under there like connecting these things like where people can yeah. interact 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could be done, I guess. It would be a, a huge engineering process, right? It would be major, major engineering to do that. Um, so if the capital was there and the desire was really there, then sure. Um, I think it's it's entirely doable. And only in a true lockdown situation at X point, you know, would you be confined to your own place with whoever's in there with you and not able to go out and visit and interact with the other community members. But again, what would constitute a lockdown is really, really bad stuff happening right on your doorstep. Bad mm -hmm. stuff was happening elsewhere in the world and it was safer just to be there. You're still probably not locking your door. You know, so it would be, you know, something like Yellowstone going off or major nuke or, you know, anything like that. If that was the reason to really lock down, then you'd have to. But otherwise, you know, it's it's I think just the virtue of being out there gives you a degree of safety and peace of mind uh, without the need to completely lock your your blast door. Now, in other cases, um, you know, the the other facilities that we have are, you know, these these kind of all in one cohabitation. You know, it's basically like a cruise ship underground. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We keep a lot of emotions bundled up inside in life, and sometimes we got to talk to people. I witnessed the benefits with my own two eyes. I have a close friend that was struggling with depression and felt like she had no one she could consistently talk to because of her busy schedule. She was matched with a therapist through BetterHelp. After several months of sessions, I've seen a tremendous change in her personality and in her life. If you're needing therapy and, and want to get some of those things off your chest, it's entirely online and designed to conveniently work around your schedule and empower you to be the best version of yourself. Just fill out a questionnaire and they will align you with the right therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com unimpressed today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash unimpressed. Right. And so everybody has their kind of dormitories, if you will, in their own bedrooms. But then you can go into the common areas and, and whatnot. So and those are not being actively inhabited um, unless there was a disaster that, that would require the use of that. But, you know, we're looking at expanding into much larger underground facilities that we found um, in the U.S. that basically could serve as entire cities underground. 
um, oh. that have that kind of square footage. Oh, when you think about that, when you talk about Yellowstone or whatever, let's yeah. say there is a disaster and there's lava and there's shit that cover these places up. How the hell are you going to get out of there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I hear you. Um, you know, it's funny because in uh, in some of these uh, bunkers um, in, in different parts of the of the country, if uh, flooding or, you know, uh, like, say, if the Mississippi, you know, ran over kind of thing, you know, we actually have rafts. <laughs> we have escape tunnels that can be vented, right? So you can vent the water out of them. And then you'd have a raft once you get on the surface, you know, some sort of a, uh, a really long winter that could be caused by, you know, ash or something from a volcanic eruption. You know, eventually you would be able to make you would be able to make it out. I mean, hell, even in the wintertime, it's sometimes you got to just shovel your way out the front door but that doesn't necessarily mean you know that it's a, a bunker problem the the best answer is that you know you you want to prepare for as long as you can inside right to have give yourself as much as you need um you know we always recommend a minimum of one year right and um you know and if you uh if you look at the statistics most critical events catastrophes uh, whether man-made or natural tend to pass in about 90 days or at least the the the, the um kind of the the crux of it right mm -hmm. as, as far as being able to get yourself out and and you know egress um you know we plan on having things like you know we install inward swinging uh doors so that you know nothing could block it from the outside you don't have to like push against something outside to get it open we have um secondary escape routes in the you know in, in different parts of the bunker um so that you could egress um, not necessarily the most comfortable thing. It's not going to be how you're going to get in and out of there every day, but it's an escape, you know, nonetheless. But in the worst case, you know, scenario, you want this thing to be able to survive um, and, and, and support you, you know, have the life support necessary, um, you know, air filtration, water filtration, sewage, all these other things, electricity, so that you could stay under there, you know, minimum of a year. And, and being out there, do you ever... You know, I'm a Native American and I talk about this a lot on my show and, and I'm a clairsentient as well. So I have some spirituality things going on. You're out there in, you know, this area. Is there any like odd stuff going on? Is there, you know, Native American things going on, spirituality well, stuff, in, you know? In that yeah, in that part of the country, there's a very large Native American presence. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, I feel that that land is very spiritual. And uh, I, I don't know if I would call myself an empath, but I mean, I, I have had a lot of deeply spiritual experiences in my life, um, things that make me, you know, very much a believer, you know, and, and in basically, you know, metaphysical things, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I'm pretty convinced that, you know, in general, um, it's not to say that, you know, there's no place for science. I think science just has to find ways to catch up to what ancient cultures knew, you know? And so, you know, it's out there. The uh, there was this one story <laughs> that I'll share with you. Uh, this was a few years ago. Um, it was either 2019 or 2020, and I was out there, and there was a uh, Native American family who had just they were just kind of visiting, and they said 
that that was their ancestral land before the government came there. And I was kind of preparing for this to be like this, you know, oh, God, it's a, you know, it's a burial ground or this something like now it's, you know, we we tainted it or the government tainted it. And they said that, you know, they they were happy with how the community that the government built, right, to make it an active military base out there with how that community thrived. Right. And and how positive and productive it was, even though it was um, for wartime. Right. That was the sole purpose of that was a munitions depot. And then now seeing, you know, that that kind of spirit of the place left and then now it's it's to protect people. Right. Not to make war. And, and you know, this family was saying that they they completely endorse what we're doing and they feel that it's like the highest good of this place. You know, it's the highest good that it could be used for now, you know, and also having, you know, livestock and all that. And I, I think it's it's funny because it's it's hard to describe. But when people go there and I still feel this myself, you know, I think there's a very calming sense to it. There's a there's like an energy in the earth there, you know, um, and even if it's uh, it might be no different than that of, you know, important historical places. Um you know, they they talk about the energetic. I don't want. I don't want to make it sound bad, but it's almost like this this residual that that a place like say Notre Dame. You go there and you feel the 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 weight of it there, right? You feel it feels like all the you know hundreds and hundreds of years, right, of of history from everybody having gone through there. And I think this feels similar to that. You know, it 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 has this kind of energy residue from generations of people living there and using the place and it's 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 like calming in a way you know it's mm-hmm. it's it, it's you probably again if you've ever had kind of these spirits if you've gone to a, a i think a spiritual place you feel that kind of invigorating yet soothing you know yeah because just invigorating could be agitating um but just soothing could be you know it means that there's not all this extra you know it's like there's some level of commotion that was left with that but it's also very very um you know steady and it it has the effect of really changing skeptics minds when they go out to visit it i say that because if you understand law of attraction Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously there's some type of law of attraction going on there. So do you feel like the people, all the people that are there now have a very similar tone? Because tone attracts tone. Well, I, I think so, yeah. And and I'm a, a huge believer in law of attraction, manifestation and all that. And it's it's something that's been very important in my life, actually. And we have a vetting process. So we get sometimes, you know, hundreds and hundreds of applications on our website uh, for space in any one of our bunkers um, every week. And we have to filter through those. Now, you know, there's always going to be the spam and there's going to be, you know, whatever, the, the AI stuff. But then as you sift through that and you find the people there, sometimes people will just, you know, they'll, they'll, they don't want to answer any questions. They don't have any questions. They just want to throw their money at us. And it's like, well, hang on, dude, you know, we're not just, we're not that simple, you know, it's like, we got to talk, we got to have a phone interview, usually takes an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours, it depends. And really just to see if they sound like a reasonable, (laughs) decent human being, you Mm -hmm. know, someone that we feel would be a good fit, and someone that hopefully we could feel safe around. It was funny, because uh, one time I talked to a retired uh, detective and his wife, and he said, so, uh, 
when's the interview start after about 45 minutes of talking? I said this whole time. (laughs) And I said, in your line of work, don't you think you could, you know, suss a person out talking to them for that amount of time? He said, I could probably do it in 15 minutes. I said, well, there you go. You know, and that's a professional. It's a trained professional season, Mm -hmm. you know, been doing that his whole life. Right. You know, and so that's really what we're looking to find is that, hey, this person seems like they would really get along with everybody out there. And we like to see that. So I know you probably get approached with maybe some jobs outside of your realm. Is there anything you've done that is kind of crazy, like build a bunker that, you know, you're not supposed to talk about or something that's <laughs> lavish or just something oddly wild that would be very interesting to the people listening? Is there something crazy out there you've done to build one of these things? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the scope of some of the stuff that we've done outside of the U.S. is, is you know, pretty mind-blowing. You know, when I was saying earlier about normal things, that's just, you know, we, we keep the normal stuff for here. <laughs> you know, everything that we do is uh, outside of X-Point, of course. Everything else that we do is, um, you know, very uh, guarded just to protect the place. Because, again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. And if we had one of these outside of L.A., everybody would know where it is. Mm-hmm. If you had, you know, the the backyard bunkers, right, which have been selling for a long time from different companies, you know, your whole neighborhood's going to know. That is not, you know, you're going to have to get permits probably for that too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The city's going to know. And so to have these things, you know, be discreet and it's 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 not even so much in what we're putting in there that that makes it a, a amazing. It's it's just like the level of secrecy that has to go into this, you know. And so it was really, really rubbed all of us the wrong way at first and make the hair on the back of your neck stand up when we did X point. And then we're like, OK, we're just going to let everybody know where it is. You can go on Google Maps and it drops a pin right in the middle of the property. You know, yeah. here yeah. we are. <laughs> and, and it was just like that. That was that was so different. You know, because, I mean, we, uh, you know, one time we had uh, a certain very large uh, cable TV network that everybody would be very familiar with uh, come out and do a piece uh, in our Indiana bunker. And it was funny, you know, what uh, I, I again, this this was years ago. I was in school. So Robert was handling this one. But the amount of NDAs that had to be signed was just one thing. Then we had to pick them up from the airport. And, uh, (laughs) you know, this crew of like four, five, six or whatever, take all their cell phones, right? Put them in a bag, load them into the back of a blackout uh, sprinter van, drive them to this place, go into the garage, close the door, then let them out, (laughs) you know, let them do their filming for the day. And then reverse the process to get them back out so that, you know, there was they had no sense of where they were going. Um, and again, this was all signed and they agreed to it. It wasn't, you know, felt like we were kidnapping them, but yeah. <laughs> they agreed to yeah. it for the sake of getting the shoot because we weren't just going to say, hey, we're at this and this street, you know, come over, you know, because it's not even that, you know, say Robert and I need these places to be kept secret. It's actually the owners themselves want those places to be kept secret. It's it's their interest is in protecting it to that degree, right? They don't want anybody mm-hmm. to know where they've got what they've got. And so sometimes the lengths that you have to go to to satisfy that are just yeah, it's it's funny and you know, it feels like something out of a movie or something. Well, did y'all did y'all uh did y'all start this because of witness protection? That's why you're Italian. 
No, man, don't make me talk about Cousin Giuseppe, okay? He knows a few things and knows a few people, okay? Yeah, yeah, don't don't get me started on Vinny. Vinny, he's a very capable and talented man, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 it's got nothing to do with that, no. It was, um, <laughs> if you ask Robert, he'll say it was, uh, it was uh, Election Day 2008. <laughs> you know, I like to unearth things like this. I mean, you know, you go into this and you look at your presence. I mean, you have, obviously you have some digital presence and, and so forth, but I can see why people are so intrigued just by, by listening to you talk. You know what I mean? I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to, you know, this, it can be such a downer and so depressing the premise of this company existing, the reason that it's even, you know, necessary in the world. And so I just, I, I try to make it my personal mission to make it something that's relatable and approachable for people, you know, and to, to make people, you know, feel good about it. Right. You know, I'm not a Pollyanna type by any means, but, uh -huh. um, but I think there's something to be said about, understanding the positives in this and you know that's kind of the angle that i like to strive for and just kind of that just being able to share a little bit of that stoke you know i like being able to feel stoked about something it's yeah. a good feeling you know yeah. and if we're talking law of attraction then you know it's I, I believe firmly that the more you do that the more you're kind of going with the flow kind of you know moving with the stream right as as abraham hicks would say for example you know and not struggling against it and and really the the feeling really gets to me that i that comes across when i talk to clients and all that is this sense of relief that there is that this exists and they may have never even thought it possible to exist right they they might have thought that the the question of what are we going to do if is unanswerable, or at least to a certain degree, they can say, well, I can have food and guns and stockpile and whatever, whatever. But if you don't have a solid roof over your head, then what does it matter? Right? Yeah. And so for a lot of people, the sense of relief that they get when they talk to us and when they, um, when they see what it is that we've created here, right? They, it's, it's really touching, right? Mm -hmm. And you can feel it, you know, and I love sharing that feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you started this off by saying, well, you're kind of selling part of fear. Like I said, John, the fear is already out there. Mm -hmm. The fear is there. Well, so that's I'd why I mentioned be... that Obama thing. The Obama, you see that Obama movie that Michelle I... brought back? Did you see that movie? I, I haven't watched it yet. I feel like I might have to from a professional do my homework yeah. kind of standpoint. Um, but I it's not necessarily a movie that I would want to watch. You know what I mean? I just got done watching Billions all seven seasons. So I was like, you know. <laughs> I yeah. want more of that right now, you know? So, yeah. but I, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard of, you know, the premise of that movie and, and how there's a lot of, there's a lot of in your face, but then there's also a lot of subliminal things in there, you know, that, mm -hmm. that point to what might actually be happening, you know, how much of it is, is a satire, how much of it is a commentary on fears and how much of it could even be seen as, you know, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind mm -hmm. of move, right? Well, and the last question I do want to ask is how many people can you house with all your facilities you have going on total? Not enough. <laughs> That's yeah. the real answer is not enough. This is always, I mean, you know, it, it might be, you know, all said, we could be looking at maybe only a quarter of a million 
a standpoint of actually wanting to, you know, provide this to as many people as possible, then, you know, that's always kind of the, the catch, right? It's like, like it goes back to what I was saying about FEMA. Well, sure, we could triple the number of people in any one of these, but it ain't mm-hmm. going to be comfy. You know what I mean? It's not going to be something that you're going to be happy with. And, and it, it goes against our virtues at that point, you know? And so if, uh, you know, my, my goal here is to keep making these things, make them as good as we can, right? Stick to our guns with every single one of them and, and just do it for the right people, you know, make sure that, you know, people are getting exactly what they want here. And I, you know, I do wish that maybe someday there's a, you know, an angel investor or something that, that comes through and, allows us to make you know 10 of these that we never knew we could right Mm -hmm. you know just dot them across the world it would be amazing well i mean the trade alone is worth a lot i think just understanding the trade you know i mean even if you haven't built them yet you know and something needs to be prepared for just understand that trade I, I, I would imagine there's not a lot of people that understand this trade no and that's true you know uh, going back to what i was saying earlier about the the build outs in the bunkers in in south dakota um at x point um you know we have a construction crew that i've kind of handpicked and worked with and, and very much molded to understand how to work in a bunker and they have climbed we have all climbed that learning curve together and so if someone comes in and they said well yeah i'll take a crack at it maybe i can do this for myself and it's like more power to you okay because we got a backlog you know we're like a year and a half out right because so many people ordered build outs through us but it's like you know you're going to climb that learning curve all over. Whereas my crew, you know, we have the expertise, right? You know, we've already done that learning curve. And so we could basically write the book on, you know, how to build and outfit a bunker. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a crew come out from Florida recently uh, to do some uh, structural concrete repairs and some, some superficial and some structural concrete repairs on, on certain bunkers. Um, and they, uh, you know, they were really good concrete guys, but they were used to, you know, working in, in regular homes, right. Or, or, you know, offices and whatever and working on those. And so I, I told him, I said, look, we got to draw the line here because <laughs> no one's stepping on each other's toes. You guys are the experts in what you do, but you have to respect the fact that I'm the expert in what I do. And so I need to be able to tell you what is acceptable and what isn't for a bunker. And then you come in and help me with how, you know, how you can. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like, you know, okay, we had to just get that all shook out at the beginning, right. And make sure everything was fine. And we got common ground and it was really, really great. And I'm uh, eager to see these guys back out there again next year. They kind of took the winter off, but it was very much in that sense where it's like, if you take a step back, yeah, shit, I guess we are the experts in this. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and we have been approached in the past to, um, to design something and kind of make it a vivo spunker, but, you know, they're just going to take the plans and go have it built wherever, you know, somewhere in, um, you know, in, in Asia or, you know, South America. And we're happy to do that too, that to, to be like a a consulting firm in a way, you know, that's, that's a huge avenue for expansion too, that if I can't necessarily mobilize my crew and resources internationally to those places, then at least we know that we can set something up um, in a completely different part of the world, you know, that can have the the local crews make it, you know, but make something that we could put our name on. And so I see that as a really good avenue going forward as well, at least on an international scale. You know, in the US, I'd like to be able to move my guys around for sure. But yeah, I mean, it's every day you're climbing, 
climbing the learning curve. Um, but I feel like we've climbed it enough at this point to really be considered experts in this field. Well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. And oh, yeah, it man. Was very, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, very, very interesting conversation. And if you're looking for the Michael Jordan of bunkers and shelters, this is the company, Vivos, <laughs> the gr- Vivos Group. And uh, yeah, this is the, the showrunner here, uh, Dante Vecino and his dad uh, running this thing. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on and it's been interesting. My pleasure, man. It's fun, fun talking to you about this. So My name is John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bang Productions. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.